And I also have the philosophy that if one of us makes it, then all of us are going to come up. You know, like with Seattle, you know, you had Nirvana and Soundgarden and all these groups that came up. And I wanted that to be sort of how people thought of Charlotte or 10 millimeter Omega recordings, you know. I'm Joni Deutsch, and from WFAE in Charlotte, this is Amplifier, the music podcast where we shine a light on the artist who calls Charlotte home. Because Charlotte is more than just a banking city or a football city. So every other Thursday on this podcast, we're going to explore the people, places, and things that help define the Queen City's crown sound. And today, we'll hear from the record label owner who's championed Charlotte's eclectic music scene for more than 30 years. That's coming up on Amplifier. Amplifier. And then the beat will drop. Amplifier. 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 Can you introduce yourself and tell us what you do in Charlotte music? I'm Jason Herring, and I'm in a band called The Mystery Plan, and I've been producing for a long time. Jason, a long time, for those who may be wondering is a little over 30 years in Charlotte music, and you've worn a variety of musical hats along the way, which is why we're so excited for you to be here with us today. We're going to talk about a few of them, uh, one of them being the founder of North Carolina music label 10 Millimeter Omega Recordings. You've been a DJ, you've been a songwriter, you've been a band member for a variety of groups, by yes. your count, probably 12 or so, and one of them in particular, your longstanding band, The Mystery Plan, has been a mainstay, and you all released a sixth album in July 2021. It's an album that's not only a compilation of the band's greatest hits, quote unquote. Just the other day, yeah, I saw a young man going through some things. Just a couple changes. I had to But it's also a celebration of brand new songs. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Every morning I put my pants on one leg at a time. Yeah. My grind, money on my mind, nickels and dimes. Yeah. These are pivotal times, forming a ritual is critical and minimal. Trying to be a complete individual within my community. Won't see me because I'm usually trying to learn these kids what they could never get through to me. And truthfully, I done seen it all, ain't nothing new to me. Far from perfect, but I wear my flaws beautifully. Gotta stay prepared, every day's an opportunity. I did it my way. Don't want to tease at my eulogy. Musically, just meditate and see my vision like a puzzle. I'm on the inner peace that was missing to reach my destiny. I don't believe in superstition. Yes, indeed. Uh, it's not really a greatest hits, but especially during COVID last year, we released an album called Jaja, and everything got shut down, so we weren't able to promote the record proper and all of that. So we took a few songs from that and um, a few songs from our last couple of records and a couple of new songs, and we put them on You Also Have Eyes. And that album, You Also Have Eyes, we will be talking about in just a moment. Before we do, though, you obviously have a special place in your heart for Charlotte music, the fact that you've been working in this location in so many ways for so long. So tell us how your relationship with the city and the city's music scene began. 
First of all, I adore the Charlotte music scene. I mean, there are groups that I have been in love with from Charlotte since I was a teenager. And uh, it's, it's been very important to me to make sure that I can help or be a part of getting their sound and music out. And I decided back in the late 90s that that's what I wanted to do. It's to let other people know outside of our area about the beauty and the amazing talent that we have here. And so I've spent uh, many hours and many tears and many monies on making sure that happens. Um, I was born in Columbia, South Carolina, in a small town right outside called Blythewood. And we lived there until 87. And that's when we moved to Charlotte. And I was, what, 16. So I did my last two years of high school here. And I've and they, my family moved back down to Columbia, and I just ended up staying when I was, you know, college, I guess 20, and I decided to stay. So let's take it back then to high school and what you, those memories you were just referring to and those, those bands uh, that were some of your, your inspirations. What was that like? What were those sounds like? What was the scene at the time like? Uh, well, I remember the first show that I went to when I was 18 was at the Milestone Club, and it was Mo Tucker from Velvet Underground, half Japanese. And I was just like, wow, live shows are great. And then the second show I saw was Hope Nichols and her band, Fetchin' Bones. And I was simply floored by how amazing they were. And I remember I was so floored that I, that's when I decided that's what I wanted to do. I want to do what she does and they do. And then she worked at a place called Superior Feet here in Charlotte. So I remember going up to where she worked and walking up to her, to her desk and introducing myself. And I was like, you know, I'm Jason and I am really in love with you. And I really want to know what I can do to do what you do. How can I do what you do? And she looks at me and she very deadpan and she goes, well, um, maybe, I don't know, start playing an instrument or, uh, I don't know, <laughs> sing something. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, you know, I'm going to get right on that. Thank you. <laughs> so, so to be sure, at that time that you first approached Hope Nichols, who listeners of this podcast will probably remember, she was the very first episode we did, the first interview we did for the show. Yes, she was. And I, I loved that show. That was a good one. When you approached Hope, at that time... Had you been a part of a band? Had you been singing or playing an instrument? No, no, none of that. Um, I decided with some high school buddies that we were going to start a band called the Groovy Disco Bunnies. And basically, we were trying to figure out how we could... We came up with the name of a band before I could even do anything, you know. And, uh, and after, you know, trying to play drums or a bass for the band, I think the whole group decided that, hey, um, maybe you should just be the singer, you know, so they kind of made me be the singer, and I wasn't very good at that either, but, you know, we just did it anyway, and um, and it was really amazing, because you fast forward, like, I'm going to say 10 years, and um, we were approached by a record label out of Atlanta to do, to be on a Pixies tribute compilation with some great groups like Jarbo and Underwater, 
and um, a couple of other really good bands, but they asked our band to do it. And so, you know, it was going to be our first national release. And so I got Hope Nichols to come in and sing the Kim Deal parts with me. And she played sax on the song. And uh, we did River Euphrates off of Surfer Rosa. And I remember we were in the studio and Paul Jensen was running running the, the, the show. And I remember they stopped and Hope Nichols, like it was kind of chaos and Hope everybody stops. And Hope Nichols goes, Jason, what, what do you think I should do here? And I go, wait, what? Is she, is she talking to me? She's asking me. Hope Nichols is asking me what she should do here. And I was like, oh, my God. And I just clicked the button. And I was like, whatever you're doing is rocking, honey. You know, <laughs> I trust you. And, uh, and I still, even 10 years after that, didn't really know what I was doing. But uh, it was just really cool having Hope Nichols asking me what she should do at that part. And it was really inspiring. And I loved it. You mentioned being a rocker or, you know, all these different bands and genres. Was that reflective of the the music upbringing that you had in your family and your in your household and your, your social circle? Well, I was raised in a music family. Uh, my father, Hunter Herring, was a DJ on the radio for years down in Columbia, South Carolina. And then he moved up here in the 80s. Uh, to work for Easy 104.7. And so I I was kind of brought up around Steely Dan and Marvin Gaye and, you know, beach music and uh, soul music and just, you know, good stuff. And so I rebelled when I was, became a teenager and started listening to The Smiths and Susie and the Banshees and The Cure and Dream Academy and stuff like that. So my rebellion was, because he was a rock and roll guy, I rebelled by listening to kind of mellow, sad stuff. Well, it's funny, that love and the history of being around eclectic music and genres still holds true with the work that you've done over the years. Um, it's important to note that around the time that we're talking about this this era in Charlotte music and you know late '90s, early 2000s, that was when you founded the independent record label 10 Millimeter Omega Recordings. Since founding this boutique record label, yes. you've celebrated more than 80 releases, ranging from Brazilian jazz to 60s-inspired funk and electronic space beats, that all really come from North Carolina musicians, including Hope Nichols, you're just talking about her a bit yeah. ago, and, and also others like Benji Hughes. Yes. Oh, yeah. And that's 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 what I've loved about it. These people, whenever I'd go see them, I just felt so inspired. Their music is so good. And it was just, I was just, it was just killing me that nobody outside of our area heard of them, you know, or, or at least didn't really get it like I got it. And I'm kind of I get a little excited, especially after a couple of beers at a show if their band's really good, you know. And uh, I wanted everybody to feel that way because that's a really good feeling. And and I just decided that I was that's going to be my job is to make sure I get all that out. And you know, I didn't care if I made money or not. I just wanted good representation of our of our beautiful city and and our area. I just wanted to make sure they were happy and that 
they know I wasn't trying to, you know, get rich off of those guys. I just wanted to, I wanted their music to get out there and I want them to reap the benefits of it. And hopefully, you know, and I also have the philosophy that if one of us makes it, then all of us are going to come up. You know, like with Seattle, you know, you had Nirvana and Soundgarden and then you had Alice in Chains and, you know, all these groups that came up. And that's kind of how it was here in the 90s because you had uh, Muscadine get signed and then Sugar Smack got signed to the same label. Then Jolene got signed to the same label. And we were actually being courted by the label, too, until all of that imploded. We were going to be the fourth. Um, and, and that's kind of the thing that that I really like. And I also like the camaraderie. Like, the, there's a record label out of Chicago called Thrill Jockey. And they have Tortoise and Trans Am and Sam Precop and, you know, Seeing Cake and all these guys on it. Everybody played on everybody's record. Everybody remixed everybody's record. They all toured together. And it was like everybody was in it for each other, you know, and it was it just felt like a family and, you know, everybody would say, Oh, Chicago. Oh yeah. Throw jockey label. You know, you just knew, you knew. And I wanted that to be sort of how people thought of Charlotte or 10 millimeter Omega recordings, you know? Oh yeah. Oh, I know all those cats. Yeah. I, know, I have that record. It was important to me for, for us to be together it, like, and not, you know, work against one another that we are all in this together and we can all work together and do things together and come up with a different sound even, you know. I've always asked everybody, like, what is the Carolina sound? Because on our label you have, you know, everybody from your Benji Hughes. To the Cat Skills Project, which is hip hop. You know, to Micah Guy, which is Brazilian jazz. What is the Carolina sound? I don't know. But I wanted everybody to kind of be together. Coming up, Jason Herring on his band's new album and the music question that has stumped him for decades. That's right after this break on Amplifier. While you've split your time over the years across a few different musical pursuits, Mm -hmm. Jason, one of your mainstays is the band The Mystery Plan, and it includes members Otis Hughes, Jefferson Chester, Patty McLaughlin, and your partner in life and music, Amy Herring. Your sixth album, which was released Mm -hmm. in July 2021, is titled You Also Have Eyes, and it's an eight-song collection that highlights the band's overarching avant-garde evolution over the years. Me. 
I'd love for you to take us back to the creation of the band. How did these folks come together to create the mystery plan? Well, uh, I'd taken a break for a while from being in a group because we you know, got married, had a baby, and all of that. And this is going to sound really weird and crazy. But my, my daughter was like maybe two, and we were leaving Columbia, visiting my parents, driving back. And I was kind of depressed, and she was asleep in the back. And we were listening to the, you know, the college station there, 90.5. And I was talking to Amy and I was like, you know, I don't know. I just feel like I need to, something's going on. I need to, I feel like I need to be doing music again. I just don't know. Maybe I need a sign or something. And I swear to you, this happened. As soon as I said that, my voice comes on the radio and it says, hey, everybody, this is Jason Herring from the Interstellars, and you are totally zoning out to 90.5 WUSC in Columbia. And I was like, what? And I cranked it up, and they played one of our songs, and I was like, no way. It rolled down all the windows, and I was like, that's it. So I decided I was going to get back into it. And, uh, yeah, I started writing songs with Paul Jensen, and Amy on the back porch drinking wine. And, um, and so I was going out doing shows and, you know, Amy was curious about how that went. So I was like, well, hey, why don't you um, sing a few songs that you've written with me? You know, you have a good voice and you can see how boring it is out on the road doing shows, you know, especially when you're the opening act that nobody's heard of. It's going to be great. And so we started doing that. And uh, started recording with, with, with Paul Jensen over at Satellite Recording Studios. And he was kind of our official third member. He plays guitar and everything, produced everything it was beautifully. And, um, and so I wanted to expand the sound. We had done a few shows with the Velt because they were just getting back into it. And I wanted to expand the sound. So I started audition, not auditioning, but asking my friends from different areas to come play and after about 20 personnel changes, we finally got to where we are today. You know, I think we went through like five drummers and a few guitarists and, you know, a few bass players and, uh, you know, and they were all great. It was just, uh, th this, this lineup is kind of sunken in and I would say it's been about five years now with everybody, with Otis and Jeff and, and Patty. And that's also around the time that we, with that I met John Fryer from 4AD. You know, he did Cocteau Twins and This Mortal Coil and Love and Rockets and Nine Inch Nails and, and all that. And so I met him out in L.A. and we started working together. And so working with such a big time producer like John Fryer got my game up, you know, I had to bring my game up and we started writing beautiful material with the band that we have and one single became a record or an EP and then a record and then another record and then another EP and we've just have grown and, 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 uh, and the, the, our writing style is sort of is meshed in together now. So it's, after being together for five years, you know, I can start writing something and Otis will know exactly what I'm talking about and start playing it, you know, and, and the same goes for Jeff. He can just start hitting that beat and, 
it's just so much better than in 2010 when it was just me and Amy trying to figure out how to do it, and, <laughs> you know, and me trying to figure out how to play all the instruments that I had no idea how to play. And so that's, it's been a, a good learning curve, but it's definitely changed over the last 10 years. I mean, it's, it's blossomed into something really groovy and really beautiful, and I love it. Jason, you're not the first musician we've had on that has performed music that's in a group with their partner. Uh, we've had on other artists like uh, Solis, Jalistic, Modern Moxie, even Hope Nichols, mm-hmm. uh, who've talked about the highs and eh, sometimes the rockiness of working hand in hand with someone that you live with day in, day out. <laughs> uh, what has it been like for you to be in the mystery plan, the band, with your loved one, with Amy? Well, uh, the writing has been excellent. And it's, it's the only time I can think of where it got bad was right in the beginning and we were kind of getting together and rehearsing. And I told Amy, I said, okay, so we're starting rehearsals. This was her first rehearsals with us. We had a band and I go, now I'm kind of, kind of going to be running the show. So if don't, you know, don't get yell at me or do anything in front of the guys, you know. And so she goes, oh, okay, don't worry about it. And so we start doing a song, and something came up, and I go, okay, okay, hold on. Uh, that was a little off here. What if we go back and, and do it like this? And she goes, well, I tell you what, you blank, blank, you know, why don't you sing the blank, blank song? And I go, okay, can we take a break, everybody, for just a second? You know, and, like, <laughs> and it was kind of funny, but that was the only time that happened. And uh, it's been lovely because we can sit around you know, when we're not having practice. And like I said, like how we first did it, we would take an acoustic guitar and a bottle of wine on our back porch and just sit down and write. And she could write really good lyrics. And, you know, and it was just, uh, it's, it's been lovely. And we can now on a Friday night or if I'm not DJing somewhere, we'll come in the studio and pour some cocktails and just sit down and work on stuff. And, I couldn't think of a better thing to argue about than art, you know? Like, I like that she's a musician now and she actually knows what she's talking about when she says, no, I think we should do this there. And so I, it's nice to to have that perspective because she's probably not as jaded as I am after 30 years. <laughs> and she, kinda, she has a fresh perspective, so it's really nice. I, I really enjoy it. I know it's a Close your eyes, sit back and catch the stride. I know it's a long, long way to get there. Earlier in the interview, you brought up this question of what is the Carolina sound? And I'm going to put you on the spot because Around the time that I began this podcast, that Amplifier came into being in 2018, you emailed me that question, and you asked me, what are your thoughts on the Carolina sound? 
or even the Charlotte sound. And I went, I wanted to see if you remembered that email exchange. I do remember that. Oh yeah. I definitely remember that. Because at the time, and again, starting amplifier, having only just really started doing a deep dive into Charlotte music, you know, my response to your question was when it comes to the Carolina sound, I think of it as trailblazing. You think of folks like Nina Simone and Earl Scruggs, people that are, you know, creating lasting impressions with things that can't be easily imitated or replicated because they're so original And that with the Charlotte sound, there's not a good answer as to what it is because it's so unexplainable because of the people that are here and the genres that are here. It's not just one thing. And so I want to pose the same question to you. How would you, in all the years that you've been here in a wide variety of capacities and and jobs and professions, what is the Carolina sound to you? What is the Charlotte sound hmm. to you? The cynical side of me would say the Charlotte sound would be a cover band. But, you know, I don't, I, I'm not in that area of music. I, I rarely go see cover bands. Um, I would say the Charlotte and Carolina sound is eclectic, like what you were saying earlier. I, it's hard to pinpoint. That's what. That's why. That's why I ask everybody else that question. <laughs> I've never, honestly, I've never been able to answer it in myself. Even when I'm laying in bed, looking at the ceiling, thinking about it, or driving in my car, I'm like, "Huh, what is? What would that be?" I've never come up with an answer because I start. You start going down one path, and then several different branches happen, and then you start traveling down those branches, and other branches happen. And you end up, you know, listening to some space jazz, you know, recorded live at at Petra's. My hopes would be that Charlotte would be recognized as a hub of music, of amazing, different, emotionally sound music. You know, I mean, when you think of Seattle, you know exactly what bands come to your mind, you know. But when you think about New York, that's hard to, that's one you can't pinpoint. I would want Charlotte to be known for its amazing and diverse music scene. Jason Herring is founder of 10 Millimeter Omega Recordings and leader of the Charlotte band. The Mystery Plan. The band's 2021 release is titled You Also Have Eyes, and it's available on themysteryplan.bandcamp.com and wherever fine music is streamed and sold. Amplifier is a production of WFAE. This episode was written and produced by me, Joni Deutsch. Our editor is Jennifer Lang. Our theme music is provided by Dirty Art Club. Share your favorite Charlotte music recommendations with me on social media. You can tag and follow me. I'm at a change of tune. Amplifier features a new musical episode every other Thursday. So make sure to subscribe to the Amplifier podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you find podcasts. And if you're listening on NPR One, make sure to give us a heart or a favorite. Check out the playlist and show notes for today's episode, along with a Charlotte music map and a way for you to submit your music on our website, wfae.org slash amplifier. Until next time, 
I'm Joni Deutsch. Thanks for listening.